welcome to media buddhi a to z which is a podcast where we discuss words isn't that right venkatesh yes divya but if there is even a little bit of doubt let me just clarify that we are not a dictionary or a shabdkosh we are here to discuss only those words that make life difficult for us especially when we need to talk about sensitive issues or trippy tricky topics and when we're really avoidant when it comes to talking about important issues archis do you want to add anything to that yeah sure i mean i'd like to run our listeners through through our process again so in each episode we talk through a string of words starting with a single letter for example in our last episode which was the very first one we spoke about seven words starting with the letter a so these words were authenticity algorithm authoritarian appropriation allyship anxiety and anonymous and if you listen to it we hope your life changed but more likely it did not change much at all any case we hope it was interesting so what's on the menu today the letter b and we'll be discussing six words bakwas bhag blame bias backfire effect and big lie also i just want to add that this podcast is brought to you by boomlife.in where we all work divya and i are fact checkers and venkatesh runs our media literacy work under media buddhi so let's start with our first word bakwas it means nonsense or rubbish but i like to think of it as equivalent to the english word bullshit basically both the hindi word bakwas and the english word bullshit are an important feature of our information landscape now one might think that bullshit is a curse word and should not be used in polite company but the fact of the matter is that it is totally legit now in that it is a specific word that can be used in a specific context it's also very useful for people like us who fight misinformation and fake news on a daily basis and of course misinformation and fake news affects all of us so it's important for all of us to know this word well so what is bullshit or bakwas one thing is clear it's not the same as lies because lies have a relation to the truth in other words lies are the opposite of the truth or opposite of facts but bullshit is completely indifferent to the truth so this is a point made by harry g frankfurt a philosopher from princeton university he in fact wrote a book on the phenomenon titled on bullshit and by the way this book was published in 2005 it's a really small book and it's well worth reading and one of the things he says towards the end is bullshit is a greater enemy of the truth than lies are so Arches Divya how much bakwas or bullshit do you see on a daily basis as fact checkers So I'm not 100% sure about what exactly bullshit is and how exactly it is different from lies or let me put it this way uh, the difference between bakwas and jhoot isn't always so simple you know so let me just give you some examples that we have encounters at fact checkers and then you uh, Venkatesh and Arches you know both of you can tell me whether you think it's bullshit or not Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So, uh, you know, Arjun, I don't know if you remember, but there were these Alma visuals, basically, which is a it's a simulation, it's a video game, and you know, a lot of mainstream media outlets they shared it as real violence 
uh, visuals uh, during the Russia Ukraine conflict and they said yeah. this is how you know uh, Russia has attacked yeah. Ukraine although we all of us found out that was just a simulation and nothing else yeah. so what do you think is this bullshit i think it's it's uh, it's bullshit you know i've been seeing this for a while even during the the taliban takeover of afghanistan we saw similar uh, visuals being shared as war uh, real visuals of war uh, but I, i guess it really depends on uh, on the person you know if the person is able to really see through the video and kind of see that it's a oh it's a video game then you know for that person it's a bullshit but to someone who's not really able to make that distinction who's not really aware of you know how to tell the difference between real war violence and you know video game visuals i guess to, to such a person it it won't be you know total bullshit i don't know what do you think venkatesh <laughs> it is a difficult one uh, you know it's a clear see to me it's a clear lie in the sense that uh, these are visuals that are purportedly showing that it's a war but actually it's taken from a video game or some training manual kind of thing right so you're misrepresenting visuals uh so i would say yeah i mean in in some senses bullshit or bakwas is in the eye of the beholder but in this particular case i think it would be more straight up lies but i want to concede right here that these are not easy like judgments to make uh any other examples you want to give divya let's see yeah there was these uh, again you know media outlets they claimed when when demonetization happened media outlets claimed that gps is present in uh, currency notes <laughs> no yeah so what do you think is this bullshit <laughs> i think it's bullshit <laughs> total bullshit what do you think venkatesh bakwas yeah. 100% <laughs> i mean i mean how how did we have a situation where tv anchors are going gaga over a rupee note with a gps chip on them without any verification i mean <laughs> i don't even know what kind of um, belief system allowed this kind of adulation and excitement but yeah i think that was completely so far from the truth it's a the easy example of bakwas yeah and it, this uh, claim had no basis at all like it has to have yeah. some origin at least it had no basis and you know this was one claim that you know it, it didn't even need fact checking like i don't think any <laughs> fact checker had to uh, you know publish a fact check article on this whether it was true or not because it yeah. was so out there <laughs> everybody knew this is bullshit not everybody but yeah i i guess i know what you mean because it was widely believed i mean yeah, even yeah. i Not wanted to be, to be honest even i wanted to believe it and i was like hold on this can't be true or can it be true because you know the 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 announcement of demonetization itself was so sudden it was so overwhelming yeah. you suddenly kind of lost your yeah, right. understanding of you know what whether what yeah, to believe what not point, to believe anything can be real right <laughs> true the early days yeah. of fact checking huh? yeah 2016 <laughs> any other examples yeah so ha yeah so then you know there's this claim which comes around every year i think i think every year we have to republish our story saying that uh, unesco hasn't declared international anthem as the best anthem in the world <laughs> because this claim i mean i um, i can i uh, can recollect the infographic also so clearly <laughs> because i see it every year so you know the claim says that unesco has declared the indian national anthem as the best anthem in oh, the, the world the, the, this is an this? old old one huh? this is like 
2000s, I remember, you know, when email chains were like super popular in India and people keep forwarding emails. I used to get get this back then, you know. Back then, I used to think, oh, yeah. so cool, like, wow. And then, you know, one day I realized what UNESCO does and then it made no sense to me at all. So I guess I guess this is also sub- subjective, you know. <laughs> if you if you really understand what UNESCO does, it'll sound like bullshit to you. Otherwise, you know, you totally fall for it. I don't know. I, I think it's it's classic bullshit. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, imagine every nation in the world would want to believe their national anthem is the best anthem in the world. Yeah. And so, if one needs to just think a little bit about this, and then one will realize that. Uh, you know, it just does not compute. But of course, most people, uh, we're overwhelmed with the stuff we do with on a daily basis. So we don't have the time even, we don't even have the extra few seconds to think, hey, is this really true? Could this be true? So yeah, I'm just not going to say anything about whether it's bakwas or plain lies because it's good to have these these concepts clear in our heads, but it's not like a formula that one can apply um, and expect a clear-cut answer every single time. It's enough for us to be aware of the concepts. So I leave it at that. Okay, so uh, just on that note, uh, while we're talking about bullshit, there is uh, also a brilliant video about, about TV news and the word bullshit by satirical website The Onion. You know, I don't know if you know if you guys know this. Um, in which uh, literally yeah. they have these. Uh, uh, they have a two-minute clip of a mock. TV uh, news show, you know, and we'll provide you you all the, the, the link. So it goes something like this. And now in a desperate attempt to fill 24 hours of programming, here's some bullshit that happens somewhere today. Yeah. Sound, <laughs> sound familiar, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, TV news is full of, I'm, I'm sorry to say as a former TV guy that TV news, there's a lot of bakwas on it. Yeah. That's why when you say it, it makes more sense. Yeah. You have an insider <laughs> opinion on it. <laughs> uh, by the way, the, 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 uh, the way bullshit uh, is also seen in propaganda, you know, and it's something that we'll, uh, we'll need to talk about, you know, uh, when we come to the letter P for sure. So what's next? The next word is B for Bhak. Wow. You know, since we're Big living word. in such polarized time. <laughs> yeah, I can see the excitement already. You know, you can so since we're living in such polarized <laughs> times, the meaning of the word bhakt really depends on what side you're on. So maybe bhakt would mean, you know, somebody from the right wing community. But that's not how we used to look at this word earlier. It's a very contemporary kind of a term. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure what the right way to use this term was. Um, So I put out an open question on Twitter. So I tweeted out the following words, open quote, folks, do help with something. What is meant by bhakt? Is it the same as sanghi? Is it a derogatory term or is it a label worn proudly? Is the opposite of a bhakt a liberal or libtard or is it a woke person? Um, so this was uh, from the, uh, I literally tweeted this out for this particular episode. And um, here are some answers we got. Tell me what you folks think, right? So someone called Pooja Priyambada wrote, uh, and I quote her, Bhakt comes from Bhakti, which is unflinching devotion in Hindi. I guess it's in other languages as well, all many languages. And she continues, in politics, it means the same, blind belief. 
So someone uh, calling themselves don't adorate me said, uh, and, and I'll read it out as it is. I'd say bhakt is synonymous with andhbhakt. Now it can either be a sanghi, a non-sanghi, your dudwala, anyone. Sanghi is a person belonging to the sangh. I ain't a scholar on these things, but eh, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is, yeah. So Sangeeta Nambi, she said, uh, the way I use it, Bhakt is a Modi fan. Sanghi is an RSS member or one who has all the qualities of that outfit. It's usually a derogatory term, but RWers may agree. She said more, but uh, we're reading out this much. <laughs> RWers, of course, refers to right-wingers. Okay, so uh, at NJ underscore Moon, another person on Twitter said, and I quote, I think Bhakt can be considered the opposite of Islamist, Sanghi the opposite of Liptard, and of course, conservative is the opposite of liberal. Wokes are in a cuckoo cult of their own. So we have this... Uh rational Indian who says, politically, Bhakt means unquestioning sycophant of Hindutva political leaders. Sanghi means subscribers to RSS ideology, example, Hindu Rashtra. And uh, Liptard means one talking liberalism without understanding nuance, history, or context. And, and there was some more stuff that, that, that sounded a bit wrong, so we didn't add that. Yeah, yeah, we're... we're uh... Centering. And uh, on uh, Twitter DM group, uh, a fellow journalist, Patrileka Chatterjee, uh, said this, and I really liked it. She said, tone matters, context matters. In a hyper-polarized milieu, these words are used primarily to signal the us versus them divide, in my view. What I find interesting is the word liberal as an abuse. I think this was imported from the United States. That's interesting. You know, there was another point raised earlier. Uh, somebody said Bhakt can be considered as the opposite of Islamist. And from what I understand about uh, Islamism is that, you know, to be an Islamist, you also need Bhakti. You, you need devotion to want uh, to want an Islamic state, you know. So I, I don't think it's, uh, it's the opposite, actually. It could probably be very similar. Anyway, mm -hmm. moving on to the big question. Is Bhakt a derogatory term? What do you do think? Hmm. I think uh, some people believe that Bhakt is a derogatory term. A lot of people on, you know, who have kind of allayed themselves or arranged themselves on the other side use the word Bhakt in a derogatory sense. But a lot of people who consider themselves Bhakts do not see it as a derogatory term at all. Yeah, and someone said this on Twitter that uh, as to the question, what is the opposite of a bhakt? Uh, the person guesses that they could be blind followers of the Nehru Gandhi family or those who are toxically woke. <laughs> toxically woke. I mean, we are going to come to the toxic word and toxic many things uh, eventually. But uh, let's just once one last uh, input, a friend of Media Buddhis. Uh, Pramod Biligiri said that he means the word Bhakt when he thinks about it. He takes it to mean Ambedkar's interpretation of the word. Um, and he pointed to uh, an article written by, written by Ramchandra Guha on Ambedkar uh, invoking the word Bhakt and Bhakti, which we'll, we'll read out a little bit of it, but it got me thinking. Essentially, 
ஜவஹர்லால்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்ிட்டேட்டர்
and reject information that challenges them we'll come to it in the next episode yeah exactly i mean uh, definitely two important c words we can explore later uh, but the point is that you know when your mind is presented with conflicting information it will naturally tend to pick those uh, very uh, subtly you know uh, subconsciously uh, that you know the, the 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 ones that are aligning with your beliefs you know and in such a case lo- logic and reason are uh, kind of discarded and it's something that we don't even realize and it happens in very day to day basis and that's why this is where we are most vulnerable to untruths you know and you know fake news so de- devotion is fine you know but uh, it's something that i personally follow is uh, not to f- forget questioning your own beliefs from time to time uh, it helps uh, it helps increase increase your faith by you know analyzing it and understanding it better and it also helps you from uh, stops you from being taken for a ride you know it's a it's a little lesson from history yeah. that i've learned yeah that's um, i agree with you and one more thing i would like to add to that is being a bhakt of a god or a set of values is obviously a very helpful thing but it's not healthy to be a bhakt of a person that was a little heavy let's go to something more straightforward now so our next word is b for backfire effect you know when you believe in a conspiracy theory or any theory for that matter and then you showed evidence that counters that theory this can often reinforce your belief which is basically what the backfire effect is let me share an anecdote with you to make things simpler so there were these false fire images that were being shared on the internet claiming that they are from uttarakhand and that they are recent but when we fact check these images we found that some of them were from california some were from uttarakhand but really old ones now uh, one of my friends shared these viral images on her instagram story so i told her that look these are not the recent ones and um, you know here's the link to our fact check uh, so to which she replied that theek uh, hai but uttarakhand mein aisa ho to raha hai na i mean it's true that such forest fires did occur in uttarakhand but I don't understand why do you have to share unrelated images to prove a point instead of questioning and you know acknowledging that yes the viral images are indeed unrelated people often reject the evidence and they continue to you know strengthen their beliefs or let's say or how they originally felt about a particular piece of information which could also be because of cognitive biases and you know this is what precisely the backfire effect is So Archis and Venkatesh according to you why do you think it's so difficult for people to challenge their pre-existing beliefs even after concrete evidence has been provided to them Venkatesh you want to go first <laughs> Um I think it's because uh we make up our minds based on our emotions and not based on facts uh just a few until a few years ago uh i think it was pretty much accepted that uh, there was this belief at least that people make up their minds based on facts but uh it seems now it's pretty clear that people already have an emotional connection to a kind of belief system and they look at facts that confirm to them and they reject facts that do not confirm to that belief system so if you're believing something because of the emotion it generates and someone comes and tells you hey it's not based on fact then you're like 
hey, you must be biased, you know, because you've already made up your mind. So it's very difficult to change your mind. Once you've made up your mind, it requires you to revisit your basic assumptions about yourselves, the stories you tell yourselves about yourselves. So that's why I think it's really difficult. Also, uh, to add to that, there has been a study and I'll provide a link to this uh, on the on the podcast as well. Uh, a study which showed that uh, when somebody is contradicting uh, something you said, there's a part in your brain called the amygdala, which is activated. Now, uh, amygdala is something, uh, you know, back when uh, we humans were living in the forest, you know, pre-civilization times. Amygdala is something that used to help us uh, during, uh, you know, situations of danger. For example, uh, you see something uh, move in the bushes and, you know, seems like a snake. So you have a fight or flight response that was triggered by the amygdala. When that happens, you kind of let go of, you know, uh, rationality and reasoning. You know, those are privileges of, you know, uh, safer moments, you know. So in that moment, it's either you attack or you run. And, you know, you just let go of, uh, you kind of panic, you let go of your uh, reasonable, uh, reasonable self. So that is that, that is the same part that was found to be activated by the study when, you know, you are presented with uh, an opposing information from what you believe. So that is why, I guess, we tend to reject rationality and, you know, somehow panic and we say whatever we have to, to, to defend ourselves. Right. Mm. You know, this whole discussion reminds me, of another B word, which is the Barbara Streisand effect, which has not much in common with the backfire effect, except that in her case, and for those who are not sure who she is, uh, she's a famous singer and actor and uh, based in the United States. And uh, at one point in time, she was, she was, you know, weirded out because locations of her house were being beamed on television and what she did was she sued the company that was putting out these pictures and visuals of her house because she wanted to preserve her privacy and uh, what ended up happening was that that move by her backfired on her and the story became even bigger um, than it would have been if she had not said anything at all so that's the Barbara Streisand effect that's like it's a little different from the backfire effect because the backfire effect is about not believing when you're told something that you believe is true is, is actually false. Uh, but I just wanted to slip that in there. So before we move on, let's just quickly do a word check. Please. I think now we're left with three words, blame, bias and big lie. So let's just go with blame now. Well, we, we have all come across this word. Yeah, we have blamed others. Sometimes we have been blamed by others. And it's a never ending game, right? This is a whole blame game. Like, for example, during elections, we see it all the time, you know, one political party blaming the rival one. Uh, in the in cricket, for example, you know, when India starts losing, we start blaming the players, you know, at times the pitch, at times the empire. Yeah, you, you have all heard like, or oh, blame it on the US, blame it on the British, or very, very popular ones like blame it on Pakistan, blame it on Nehru, blame it on the right wing, blame it on the left wing. And we just keep encountering this in our daily life. So what is this blame game and you know why are we always seeking to quickly blame someone for something i mean my thought is probably going to feel like a cop out to some people but bear with me i think it's kind of natural to want to blame someone for anything that goes wrong and 
and also there are definitely good reasons to want to blame for example the british um uh, for some things in our past for certain kings in india's past but what has happened in today's world is that this tendency to blame has been weaponized in a very big way so blaming is easy because it's always easy to find a community to blame and that's why it, i think it's a major problem for me it it just becomes a vehicle to demonize that community so i think we should just be aware that there is this tendency in our politics to blame certain communities or historical characters and leave it at that and next time you see someone blaming someone oh it's the fault of the muslims oh it's the fault of the pakistanis oh it's the fault of the british uh, fault of nehru you know fault of anybody advani it's 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 it might be good to be aware that it's easier to blame than to look closer home right so what's next now what which word are we looking at now um i think this b for bias right last two words bias is a big one such a small word which explains so much about how we perceive the world and just about 10 years ago it wasn't much of a known thing outside the field of behavioral science and academic spaces but the word literally explains why we are so easily divided into polarized opposites so what is bias how would you best explain it you know i think one thing we need to get out of the way first is that the word bias can be used in two ways the first is in a very common way and the second in a very specific way so in the most common or regular sense uh, we say things like she is so biased yeah he is so biased man like we used to say in bangalore in christ college i don't know if students still speak like that maybe they do it's just that they may be using words like bro and you know <laughs> instead of man and things like that all i'm watching cricket i'm like the commentator is completely biased against my team rcb so that is the common way of doing it but there is a very specific way of using the word bias that recently we have learned and that's the thing that's important can i i mean this is the way the the the, the word the, that is the that is described by social scientists can i attempt a definition yeah of course sure, go ahead okay so biases are hidden prejudices that shape what we see think and do um let me just explain with an example i literally took this very basic definition from the title of a book called biased uncovering the hidden prejudice that shapes what we see think and do it's by jennifer l eberhart it's a very timely book eberhart is a professor of psychology at stanford university and a grantee of the macarthur genius grant and i'm going to tell a little story that she tells in the book she's african american or black uh, a point which she uses to drive home the idea of bias so she writes that in the first 12 years of her life she spent it in an all black world what she means is that until then every single meaningful interaction she had was with other black people uh, but after some time her parents moved to a different neighborhood and she comes into contact with white people for the very first time on a regular basis she's also had to switch schools at this point in time she's 12 years old and at her new school she has an unexpected crisis now this 12 year old isn't is expecting to be treated badly on account of her you know race and the color of her skin but actually her new friends are quite friendly indeed they go out of their way to make her feel welcome 
in fact it's she who feels that she's treating them badly not because she wants to but because she has this inexplicable problem she keeps forgetting her new friends names and faces indeed she not only forgets their names but also confuses one person for the other and she writes that this was because she was confronted with a mass of white faces that she could not distinguish from one another every single day and she continues and i quote her she says i had no practice recognizing white faces they all looked alike to me i could describe in detail the face of a black woman i happened to pass in the shopping mall but i could not pick out from a crowd the white girl who sat next to me in english class every day now i i have a feeling we've all had something like this we're used to a bunch of faces when we see people uh, you know with different color tones we may not we find it easy to distinguish faces until we get a little bit of practice um and so imagine this is race but this is an example of how we fail to distinguish um what we are not familiar with uh, imagine our biases when it comes to religion caste gender disability sexuality our attitudes our behavior to pretty much everything there's at least i mean there's a lot to say about bias i'm just getting started but let me just mention one more thing there's no point in saying things like oh our biases are bad our biases are not good that's that's not the way to look at it it's just the way our minds are wired our biology has evolved so that we pay more attention to the familiar uh, but now in the hyper connected super vast super connected super fast worlds that we live in it completely hijacks our basic biological coding and we are completely vulnerable to information overload and misinformation so if someone says such and such a person from that community is bad it becomes very easy for us to believe it uh, i you know i can go on and on but i think we can revisit the idea of bias in future episodes again and again because this is so important and just for our next episode we have two types of words coming up cognitive biases and confirmation bias now confirmation bias is particularly important for us to understand how we are divided so we'll come to that when we come to the letter c in the next episode okay some very heavy words that we discussed today with b uh, so to end this we have a, we have a new word that i really like to discuss with both of you and this word is big lie so anybody here has a clue to what a big lie is I mean from the sound of it a big lie seems like some well constructed elaborate lie that is hard to refute not quite you know i mean yes well constructed yeah quite elaborate but uh, big lies are not very hard to refute you know so what is it it basically suggests um, a lie you know that is that is so big that is so massively distorted that people can't possibly think that it's it's a lie you know like one cannot possibly lie that badly right uh, i mean it's like you you twist the facts you know so much so far that you know uh, you it's just you just can't imagine you know like that it can it can go that far so people are either people either believe it or they think like wow what bullshit you know so yeah it's it's big lies always something that polarizes people you know you're never and like okay maybe it's true maybe it's it's never like that so that that's a big lie So is it something like a conspiracy theory? Um well it's it's actually I I did a little uh, read up on this you know and uh, I realized that you know big lies 
are kind of a conspiracy theory or it's like a, a specific type of conspiracy theory, you know? So before I get there, you know, I'll just say that uh, this, this term itself was coined in uh, early 20th century in Germany by this uh, guy named Adolf Hitler in his book, Mein Kampf, yeah. He became quite popular <laughs> after that, yeah. I, I guess you all know <laughs> who this person is. And uh, so Mein Kampf made him very popular and it, it got him a lot of money. It funded his campaign. Uh, it, it got him popularity from the senior uh, leaders of the, the National Socialist Party, you know, the Nazis, and eventually was responsible in uh, kind of destroying pretty much whole of Europe and, you know, millions of deaths, economic collapse, whatever. Yeah. So now th there's a lot of irony in the origins of this whole word. So Hitler said uh, big lie was something that the Jews concocted to blame the, to blame the loss of Germany. Uh, in the First World War on General Erich Ludendorff, who basically led Germany to victory in the initial phases of the war. You know? So Ludendorff was this uh, nationalist German guy in the Weimar Republic. And you know, he's someone that Hitler clearly looked up to. So he was saying that you know, Jews were making up this big lie you know, to pin the loss uh, of Germans in the First World War you know, on, the, uh, on the Aryans like uh, Ludendorff. Uh, and, uh, you know, by, by saying this, you know, Hitler himself was constructing a big lie, you know, using pre-existing anti-Semitism, where, you know, just blame the Jews for everything, you know, portray, portray them as these blood-sucking monstrous social creatures, you know, and, and he added, you know, things, uh, very racist theories like social Darwinism and all, uh, just to add, add to that big lie, basically. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so Divya, you asked, uh, about whether it's a conspiracy theory. So it is actually a type of conspiracy theory, except that, you know, you, you have these kind of conspiracy theories, you know, for example, this, uh, the whole Illuminati ruling the world. Have you, have you heard of it? Yes, yes. I've read, I confess with a little bit of shame. I don't know why I feel that shame, but I confess to have read a bunch of Dan Brown novels. <laughs> so yes. I've got it at some point. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> We've all done it. No shame here. Yeah. <laughs> no shame. No shame. No shame. Yeah. So, 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 so basically, that, I mean, that's a perfect example. Yeah. That, that's like, there's so much conspiracy theory in that book. So this Illuminati, you know, it, it comes from some kind of truth, you know, that there's this rich elite group of people who who do control a lot you know through their powers they control governments corporations uh you know for example in india you have the ambanis and adanis you know we do know that you know they have so much power they can uh, basically influence the government in making their policies so it's not a very unbelievable thing you know so it has some basis and of course that's when the exaggeration comes in when you start saying they're ruling the world because when you talk about the world, it's, it, there are too many variables. It's too chaotic. It, it cannot be controlled at all by anybody, right? And, but this is something that we cannot really truly prove to be, to be so, you know, because of these uh, certain bases, you know. Uh, but then when you go to a big lie, it's, it's something that you can definitely prove to be, like, prove to be false, you know. And you can gather enough evidence uh, and blow enough holes in those theories that construct the big lie. And uh, such a conspiracy theory is not rooted in any fact, but rather uses prejudice and pre-existing beliefs for its propagation. Yeah? I don't know. Does that make sense to you guys, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, let's, let's talk some examples. Do you have any examples? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... Examples would be perfect. 
So um, one very common example is the QAnon conspiracy theory in the U.S. that says that you know Donald Trump is secretly fighting a cabal of blood-sucking pedophiles who are ruling the world, yeah. And who are the pedophiles? Yeah. Hillary Clinton, Tom Hanks. I mean, come on, Tom Hanks. That's a lie. You know, nobody will ever believe Tom Hanks is a blood-sucking pedophile. Everybody loves that guy. So so now this this conspiracy theory, for example, started with the Pizza Gate incident. Which yeah, it said basically, yeah. you know, remember during the 2016 election campaign, uh, there was a bunch of Hillary Clinton emails that were leaked on WikiLeaks, and so this this whole forums, uh, a lot of forums opened up uh, in in 4chan and Reddit, which said that basically she was her emails revealed that she was running a child trafficking ring from the basement of a pizzeria called Comet Ping Pong in Washington D.C. Yeah, and of, of course, if you look through those emails, there's nothing like that. And somebody actually, a QAnon follower, once showed up with an AR-15 rifle at the pits area. He found there's no basement at all, and all of that is bullshit. Uh, so that's one example. Another example would be, you know, the the U.S. election fraud that Donald Trump kept talking about. You know, which eventually led to the the, the January 6th resurrection attempt, uh, insurrection. Sorry, insurrection attempt. Uh, so that that was a big lie because we know all the claims that he made have been debunked by various fact checkers. So. It is based on already debunked theories, so that 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 would be two examples uh, of of big lies. You know, you know, um, you know, all of this has made me think that the thing with the big lie is that it's very difficult to disbelieve if you already believe it, and it's also at the same time easy to say, "Hey, just look at the facts, and you'll know that this is not true." And I think in India there are two specific areas where the big lie is involved and it's very very difficult to kind of convince people who already believe this lie that it, it is a lie and i think one of it is the whole idea of minority appeasement um there is a feeling and that feeling is very genuine i agree among uh, i would say a lot of majoritarian hindus that there has been a lot of appeasement that's gone on and a lot of the politics of uh, previous governments have made it clear that there was there were a lot of appeasing appeasing kind of politics being played at. But if you actually look at whether there is a minority appeasement, uh, and I'm referring to Akar Patel's recent book, in which in one chapter he talks about, you know, let's look at the representation of Muslims in parliament in um, you know uh, members of legislative assemblies legislative councils and basically you look at all of these places and see how much appeasement is actually there and then you see that there isn't that much appe appeasement and in fact the word appeasement is an emotional stick that has been created to whip up a sense of grievance among many people of the hindu community at least that's the way it seems like right now and 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 believe you me it's very difficult to get to this because it took me a lot of reading on this issue to arrive at this kind of conclusion as well and now the facts are pretty much clear and similarly i think something like this could be the case when it comes to love jihad though i must convince i haven't i mean i mean I'm, i i must say that i haven't read enough or i haven't done my homework on love jihad but it appears prima facie to be a case of another big lie yeah it, that's a good point okay so I, I i must say i have done some research on love jihad that spent a lot of time reading about it and you know uh, the different claims and try to understand you know why people are saying this 
and uh, you know i i hit something i think i i came to came to some good information and so what i found is you know during again i'll go back to hitler's time you know during the nazi when the nazi propaganda was at its height uh, the nazis they had this big lie called white genocide you know that jews were taking over uh, the white people in in the in eu in in not eu sorry in in europe so uh, so when i when i read about all the theories that made up this white genocide conspiracy theory i found that some of it is very similar to what we see today including love jihad you know there were there were these rumors about uh, jews marrying aryan women to you know to pollute their race by making mixed babies and things like that so now you have you know uh, you know uh, nearly a century later you have uh, hindus suddenly being replaced by uh, muslims you know uh, or uh, muslims marrying hindu girls you know to take over the population so when you when you connect the dots you see there's a lot of similarities between nazi propaganda and what we are seeing today the, the kind of big lies uh, called the hindu khatre mein very similar to white genocide that we are seeing today for example there's one theory that the muslim birth rate is going up while the hindu birth rate is going down constantly and that this will eventually lead to the muslims taking over you know muslims who are 14 to 15% of the population while hindus are 80% so eventually you know that 14% becoming so large and taking over so uh, so this this uh, theory itself was based on uh, a fact which was you know muslim birth rates being higher being the highest out of any religious community but later studies you know based on government data have has showed that the muslim birth rate is the fastest declining birth rate in india and if you look at this uh, this you know brilliant uh, study called religion in india by pew research center in these last uh, two two years ago it will show very clearly how much the muslim birth rate has fallen and along with it every other birth rate has fallen you know uh, but the the one that has fallen the most is the muslim birth rate so so this kind of disproves the idea you know and if you actually add up the numbers you see it it's impossible for muslims to actually go to that level that you know they had been majority it's impossible you know india wouldn't have that much space for human beings you know it would, wouldn't happen so yeah so so this is this is how you you can see through this big lie conspiracy theories interesting so this brings us to the end of the second episode of media buddhi a to z wow we finished six words but yeah we we wanted to talk more yeah both sidism brinksmanship boundaries and the word bitch so we we kind of left those out <laughs> yeah i wanted to discuss the word bitch in particular because th- there are these unwritten rules that um only women can use the word bitch uh, just like only people of color can use the n word but on the other hand you have the word um some people say the word bitch is like the word queer which has been reclaimed once upon a time the word queer was used in a derogatory sense but members of the lgbtqia plus community have kind of i mean for many many years now have reclaimed the word queer and they wear it proudly uh, and so i thought it might be interesting to uh, interesting to talk about the word bitch but i spoke to our senior editor adrija bose about this word she's done a lot of reporting on um, on this and she said that it's really no longer such a contentious issue in india it's not even a very common word so we said okay let's leave it at that we've got six words we've spent about 20 seconds on a seventh word and undoubtedly there'll be more words coming up down the line 
so to end this to our listeners we i uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed putting it for you you can subscribe to boom's podcast on platforms like apple and spotify to share your feedback please write to us at podcasts@boomlife.in thank you everyone thanks for listening